Rebound by Granlin. Granlin sends it across. Cut it shut. And oh dear Gussie! There's the glove by Alex Nedeljkovic. Nedeljkovic locates, makes sure he's not moving when the shot's taken, and looks it right into the glove. That beautiful snare. Marvelous save. Good throw. Has Gord. Save Nedeljkovic! The pass got through Gord with the point blank shot. Nedeljkovic made the stop. Now they start their way through the neutral zone. Forsberg's got a step. He's in a cross. Shot. Nedeljkovic. How did he get to it? He keeps it out. Now the Canes have the puck. What a save we just saw from Alex Nedeljkovic. But it'll be Harper who's able to clear. And now a 2 on 0 in the Canes zone. And Nedeljkovic just absolutely takes the lunch money of Trenton. You won't see a better example. You'd be hard-pressed to the nth degree of finding a goalie, putting a goal behind him better than that on a 2-on-0. Put a star next to that save. This is the Canes Corner Podcast with host Adam Gold, part of the Capital Broadcasting Podcast Network. Now here's the host of the Canes Corner Podcast, Adam Gold. Welcome to the Canes Corner Podcast. I'm Adam Gold. Well... A lot has happened the last few days, hasn't it? We got a lot of things to do. We're going to talk about as much of it as we can. Uh, then we'll uh, hit a break and we'll talk to Mark Seidel, North American Central Scouting. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Mark Seidel. Uh, he's a longtime scout, uh, worked with the Minnesota Wild in the scouting department, scouted for the Barry Colts. Uh, minor league, uh, rather a junior league uh, organization that produced Andrei Svechnikov and Ryan Suzuki. He was there when Suzuki was there. He was there right after Svechnikov. So uh, that's who's coming up in a little bit. But let's we got to get to a bunch of things uh, to uh, before we even get to talking about the draft picks. And Carolina had thirteen, and we could talk a little bit about that before we get to. Mark Seidel. But first, let me remind you that we're brought to you by the Aluminum Company of North Carolina. If it's for the exterior of your home, find it at the Aluminum Company of North Carolina on Hamlin Road in Durham. Uh, Sammy Hannon and his crew do an amazing job. Uh, so whether it's siding or roofing or windows or entry doors, anything for the exterior of your home, for the betterment of your home, AluminumCompany.com. Well... Well, well, we have not spoken in a couple of weeks. We sort of did a a look at the Hurricanes' uh, current prospects. We have more prospects now. Uh, But the last time we spoke was really just about, you know, the guys in the system already. The Seth Jarvis's, Jamison Reese's, Ryan Suzuki's of the world. Uh, And some other things as well. Um, And we even talked about Alex Nedeljkovic, who we're clearly going to talk about here. Um so that was like two weeks ago. The last few days have just been wacky. We had the expansion draft on Wednesday. And remember, before the expansion draft, the Hurricanes had to set their roster. And the Hurricanes set their roster or their protected list, submitted that last Saturday. Uh, and there were a lot of people on it, obviously, on the uh, that were available. Uh, but the four players who were most likely going to be in the line of fire, if you will, for Ron Francis, the general manager of the Seattle Kraken, were 
Nino Niederreiter, Jake Bean, Steven Lorenz, and Morgan Geeky. Now we know Morgan Geeky was taken in expansion, uh, in the expansion draft on Wednesday. But of course, so many people were surprised that Jake Bean wasn't taken. I told you about that. I wrote about it. Um, and in my preview of why they wouldn't take Jake Bean, it was basically because Ron Francis was at every Carolina Hurricanes home game. And he saw Jake Bean, however many times that was, 30-something times. He saw that. And Jake Bean really didn't warrant a selection. We'll, we'll, we'll get to Jake Bean in a minute, who was obviously traded on Friday. Um, so... The, I thought that one of the forwards would go. In my own opinion, if it was uh, me making the pick, I would have taken Steven Lorenz. Uh, I think Lorenz doesn't need any improving to be an NHL fourth-line center. Plug him in, leave him alone. If he gets better, it's gravy. Maybe he can play a little higher in the lineup. I still think Morgan Geeky has work to do on skating to stick in the NHL. Um, remember, he was behind Steven Lorenz all year long for Carolina. Uh, once they had started to play some games, Lorenz is just a much better skater, and he's bigger. Now, Geeky has a little bit of a higher ceiling, which is maybe what Francis was going for. Anyway, um, and personally, if I were the Hurricanes, I would have given Ron Francis a first-round pick to take Nino Niederreiter and create even more cap space uh, that you could probably uh, throw at a player who I think will be more effective for what Carolina wants to do. But that didn't happen either way. Uh, the One of the players I thought would go went, Jake Bean. I mean, Ron Francis could have taken for free a guy he took in the first round in 2016. And uh, he chose not to. He chose a guy he took in the third round in 2017. Uh, so uh, the expansion draft was Wednesday. Thursday, they traded Alex and Delkovich. We're going to spend some time talking about Ned. Friday, they trade Jake Bean. Quick thought on Jake Bean. I'm amazed they got a second-round pick. Absolutely amazed. Maybe they got it from Columbus, but maybe because it wasn't Columbus's, because it was somebody else's, uh, maybe Columbus just went, here, take it. Who cares? Let's just let's just get this done. Um, could... Could Jake Bean turn into a top four NHL defenseman? I mean, anything is possible. Just to use the cliche, uh, defensemen take longer to develop. Yeah. If Jake Bean were a better skater, uh, if Jake Bean were a more, uh, were he better away from the puck, I would say he has a chance because he has incredible vision and a really good feel for the offensive side of the game. But he's not strong enough. He's not quick enough. He's not big enough. Doesn't skate well enough. I just think that he's a specialist. Maybe I'm wrong. And maybe uh, the Hurricanes will be wrong. I wish Jake Bean well. Clearly, Carolina was not worried about trading him in the division. Carolina wanted to get involved in Seth Jones. Blue Jacket said, forget it. We're not trading him to you. You're in the same division. Just like Washington wouldn't trade Philip Grubauer to them. A couple of years ago, Grubauer uh, was a stud for the Avalanche this year and is looking at a big free agent contract. 
Now H's trying to guard Markov's pass in the slot. Detected by Ajo and rolls on it in Elkovich. He pokes it to the corner. Hornquist keeps it free. Yandel punches one. Watch it. Well, let's look at the chance first. Ajo would be great shorthanded. And then the one push, and what a save. What a save. A catapulting save, locating with the eyes, and then just getting the club on it. Nadelkovich on Huberdeau. So we're probably going to have to work backwards here. And this is why I'm saying that. Because Alex Nadelkovich, seconds after the Hurricanes traded him to the Detroit Red Wings for the rights to unrestricted free agent goaltender Jonathan Bernier, he's 32 years old, and a third-round pick, which was at the end of the third round. It wasn't even an early third-round pick. It actually originally belonged to the Vegas Golden Knights. That turned into uh, a, I don't know, decent defensive de- de- you know project defenseman in uh, Aiden Reshik. But when they moved Ned and and Ned signed that deal right away, you went, man, two, three million a year for two years? You couldn't do that? Uh, I agree. That, uh, that seems like something that should have been done. Two times three, that doesn't mean that Alex has to be your number one. Hell, he could be a backup at three million a year. As long as your starter isn't making bank. But the Alex Nedeljkovic that we saw during the regular season, man, that guy deserved a chance to play here. There was a money problem. The initial offer from by the agent was five years, five million per. The team laughed. That was a problem. Um, they And honestly, the arbitration award even though Ned apparently only asked, I think this was reported by Elliot Friedman, um, Ned only asked for 3.5 in arbitration, but you can ask for whatever you want. Uh, The arbitrator is going to set the number. He doesn't have to choose either the team's offer, which was, I think, 2.5, or the player's offer, which was 3.5. The the arbitrator uh, can do what he wants. Arbiter can do what he wants. Um... And the Hurricanes were terrified that that award was going to be in the neighborhood of $4 million, $4.5 million. And if that was the case, they were just going to walk away for nothing. So, um, And I think at that point, once the offer was, in the Hurricanes' mind, uh, ridiculous, kind of negotiations were a little sour. But really, it boils down to this. We could talk about money all day long. And at the end, it seemed like they were only 500000 apart. You should have been able to bridge that. Um, but... Here's the issue. The Hurricanes never believed, as a front office, the Hurricanes never believed in Ned, ever. They thought that, sure, Alex won a lot of games, won a Calder Cup in the minor leagues, but ultimately the 23-game regular season sample that they saw was fake. They didn't believe the 23-game sample. And then when the playoffs rolled around and Ned was just okay, he wasn't great, he wasn't awful, he did let in some bad goals. Probably three really bad goals 
Um, there was a mistake in the Nashville series where he allowed a bad goal. He made a, a, a ton of great saves. You heard a couple of them in the, uh, in the open. Made a ton of great saves. But he also let in some, uh, some questionable goals. Then there was the, um, was it the Blake Coleman goal from the corner in game one against Tampa? <clears throat> I mean, it's kind of a weird bad goal because it was really born out of just uh, getting to the post, missing the post, and falling forward. It wasn't like, my gosh, how did you allow that goal? It's a weird situation, but it's still a bad goal. And then I thought in game two, Alex Kalorn sweeping one in from the blue line almost. Um, Ned just has to see that puck. That that puck can't go in. But the thing is, Ned understood that. Ned was accountable to everybody, including himself, including us, including the fans. And Ned said, matter of fact, it was in the last podcast, we played the interview with Alex Ndelkovich. He said, that the, the, the guy at the other end of the ice isn't allowing those goals. And that's the standard that Ned was going to hold him to. Personally, I would have I would have bet on the guy who was betting on himself. And Alex Nedeljkovic has top five goalie in the league confidence. I don't believe he's a top five goalie in the league, but he's got that mindset. He thinks like a one. But the Hurricanes never believed in him. And it was only confirmed by his so-so play in the playoffs. And once that happened, they erased everything that they saw in the regular season. They assigned their own value to him, which was he's nothing more than a backup. So that's the way they approached it. Again, I think he deserved a chance to be the goalie here, whether it's um, the number one part of a tandem that plays maybe 45 of the 82, maybe, you know, 47 of the 82. Um, but it's nobody that has to play 55 games, anything like that. But I think he deserved that opportunity. Because I still think there's upside, and I think a lot of his mistakes are correctable. But again, the organization did not believe in him ever. And they saw that 23 games as just one of those things that happens. So that's why Alex Ndelkovich is the goalie for the next two years in Detroit. And by the way, Detroit didn't waste any time. Like, what, midway through the first round, they drafted uh, the number, the first goalie off the board was to Detroit. So clearly Detroit doesn't look at Alex Ndelkovich as the goalie of the future, but they look at him as somebody who can be part of the solution. The Hurricanes, unfortunately for us, I guess, and unfortunately for Ned, the Hurricanes didn't share that belief. And then we get to Saturday. Then we get to, well, the first round, which Carolina had a pick in the first round and didn't do anything with it. Well, they I'm sorry, they did. They traded it. Traded it to Nashville for two second-round picks, number 40 and number 51. Remember, Carolina's pick in the second round was at number 59. They actually ended up moving that one. They took. They had three other second-round picks. Uh, <laughs> uh, they uh, One they had already had. I just, they, they didn't use any of their own. They had 40, 44, and 51 they all used. Uh, traded 59 to get a third and a fourth. 
uh, traded that third uh, to get another fourth. It was weird. They ended up with 13 picks, and they made them all. They made four trades. There were five defensemen selected, three goalies, two fins, and really too many timeouts. Too many timeouts. We could sit here all day long and talk about the draft. Uh, and we can run down a couple of players. I want you to hear something from Darren York, though, uh, in uh, in just a second here. Depending on where you're reading, uh, you know the Hurricanes, or just listening to the stuff that I've been saying, the Hurricanes are trying to sign Warren Fogle. I I wouldn't. I would I would try to move him as part of a bigger deal. Brock McGinn's an unrestricted free agent that's probably going to command a salary in the neighborhood of $3 million a year. I don't think the Hurricanes want to go to $3 million a year. I will say this. Give me Brock McGinn a billion times in a row over Warren Fogle. A billion. I know what I'm going to get out of Brock McGinn. I'm going to get nonstop effort. I'm going to get, in general, smart defensive play. I'm going to get an elite penalty-killing forward. I'm going to get a guy who can add to the mix even in your top six. Remember, Double overtime in Washington three years ago. Brock McGinn got on a heater against Nashville and was scoring all sorts of goals. Brock McGinn is the type of player that can fit anywhere in your lineup for short stretches. Yeah, is he a fourth liner? Yep. But he can play up and he kills penalties and he's uber reliable. That's a guy you pay. I'm not saying you overpay, but... Barkley Goodrow just got $3.6 million a year. Zach Hyman's going to get $6 million a year. Brock McGinn's worth half of what Zach Hyman gets. That's a guy you sign. Warren Fogle's a guy you move. Brock McGinn's a guy you sign. My thoughts on Brock McGinn. All right, I don't want to just drone on and on and on and on and on by myself. Here's one thing that came out of the um, the post-draft press conference that I want you to hear, and then we're going to talk about it. Uh, Corey Lavalette, I'm actually going to leave the question in because I want you to hear the question and then hear Darren York's response to it. Corey Lavalette, who is a frequent guest on this podcast, uh, someone who knows more about the, the mechanics of of the sport of hockey than anybody I know. Uh, and I thank Corey for letting me steal. He actually he didn't give me permission, but I'm sure he would. Uh, letting me steal this question because I want you to hear it. And then we'll talk about the, Darren York uh, and his answer. Darren, I know, I know the draft isn't a one-year thing. So how many of these kids did you see over the last, since, since the last draft live? That's actually a good question. Um, Honestly, not many live, but the way, how do I want to word this? Every, every organization was dealing with this the, the same way. Like we, we talked about this since, since last March in that if you go into this with, oh, I, I have to, I have to watch or I have to scout a different way, it's not going to work out well. We went in with the mentality that we're excited that we get an opportunity to look at problems differently. I think when you have disruptions in the market, and this goes to any type of business, you have companies that 
find ways to do things better. I don't think too many people, when they first uh, you know, were deciding whether or not they'd want to buy a book online, look at it where that company is today. So we had to go in this with the mindset that when life goes back to normal, if we keep doing things like the way we used to, we wasted this crisis. So I'm incredibly proud of the group that we have, and I'm, you know, that includes our scouts, that includes our hockey information group, because when life goes back to normal, we're going to be so much better because of everything that we went through today and how, and how we learned, and it's, it really is exciting for, for the organization and the amateur scouting department. All right, so here's the way I read that. And by the way, Darren York is the director of amateur scouting for the Carolina Hurricanes. It sounded to me like the pandemic forced everything to be virtual and the Hurricanes might have been able to see more players virtually than they could have with their own eyes. That, that's just my read on what, I, uh, on what I heard there. And if that's the case... And if that's the way they plan on doing things going forward, then every draft needs to be what we just saw, where we draft 13 players and just keep throwing darts at the wall, and maybe we'll hit bullseye. Because I'm just going to go at it from this perspective. As someone who, because of the pandemic, was forced to watch the overwhelming majority of games at home this year, we always watch road games. We don't travel with the team. But in most years, in normal years, we go to the arena and watch them. We're in-house for the game. You see so much more in person than you do on TV. It's night and day. It is literally that big a difference. So, I mean, I could be absolutely wrong. But... That's not encouraging to me. <laughs> so, again, I'm not 100% sure that I'm right, but I don't know how else to read that answer. I can't come up with another scenario for that answer. If, By the way, if you're listening and you have another scenario, hit me with it at a gold fan because I don't know what the other alternative is there. The pandemic allowed them to think about things differently and differently to me, because you can't go out and see them live, means you're watching it on video, on your laptop. With, the, with all of that said, um, we got to take a very quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk to Mark Seidel, North American Central Scouting on Twitter, at Mark Seidel. Uh, been a longtime scout. Uh, get his thoughts on the Hurricanes draft hall. That's really what we're going to talk about. That's it. So if you're not interested in the 13 players, and we're not going to talk about all 13, uh, the 13 players that Carolina drafted, if you're not interested in that, uh, then I thank you for your time, and you go out and you have a great rest of uh, your day. If you're listening to it on Sunday, go mow the lawn uh, If you or watch the Olympics. If you're not listening to it on Sunday, if you're listening to it on your drive to work, uh, then I hope you're stuck in traffic and you get a chance to uh, listen to the rest of it. Uh, remember that you can subscribe to the Canes Corner Podcast wherever you get your podcast. Uh, rate it, review it. I don't care what you give it because we're not, we're not in here for you to give us five stars. If you like it, you will because that's the kind of people you are. All right, quick break and then Mark Seidel.
Mark Seidel, North American Central Scouting, is with us. We talked to him a couple of weeks ago. We talked about Kane's prospects. And now we're going to focus on the draft and and at least some of the players Carolina took today. We're not going to do all 13. We'd be here forever. You can follow Mark on Twitter at Mark Seidel. It's S-E-I-D-E-L. Uh, was in the scouting department of the Minnesota Wild. Also the Barry Colts in junior hockey. That's where Ryan Suzuki played. That's where Andrei Svechnikov uh, played. Uh, so, overall, let's just... And I'm fascinated to hear your take on the at least some of the 13 players that Carolina selected, starting with the second round. Uh, but I know it was it was a long day. Uh, there was a lot, and I would I would completely understand uh, if we had complete like like sensory overload uh, from all of this. So I know it I, again, I thank you so much for your time. I know it was a long day. And this is kind of like Christmas day, you know, for guys like me that are scouts, but at some point Christmas has to end here. Like it's ridiculous, but no, it was, it was interesting. I think it was, uh, you know, there's certainly a lot of picks that you, you kind of really drive around that, but at the end of the day, you know, what all, all 22 teams are going to go tonight and have a drink and have dinner and think they killed it in the draft. So, but we'll see how it goes, and, and I can guarantee the boys in Carolina or Carolina, excuse me, are, are thinking the exact same thing. Well, I, I'm I'm sure I'm sure they are. Uh, it was probably long because Carolina kept calling timeouts. Uh, real, I mean, I, I'd never heard of that in a draft. How, how do you have timeouts in a draft? I don't know, but they seem to have a. I don't know if they traded for timeouts, but they seem to have about thirty of them. And uh, uh, but that's okay. You know, what, it's, it's an important day for those guys, and they want to make sure they get it right. So. They certainly took some, some timeouts and frustrated people, but at the end of the day, uh, this will be in the history books. And if some of those players that they uh, debated upon turn into really good players, then Carolina fans could care less, quite frankly. I want to start with the uh, the pick that they traded in the first round, the 27th pick. Now, I don't know a darn thing about any of these players in the draft, except that the, like half of them go to the University of Michigan or will go to the University of Michigan. That's all I know about, uh, I think, 17 of the first-round picks uh, have some tie to the Wolverines. Um, but at, when Carolina was about to pick at number 27, I was looking through some various... I had been looking through, just see who might be around at that time. So I was looking at the players ranked in that area. And strangely enough, the player Zachary LaRue <laughs> jumped out at me. I'm like... Man, this sounds like exactly something the Hurricanes need. A guy who plays on an edge, and you, you and I talked about Jamison Reese in the previous podcast. Uh, one of their, uh, one of their, uh, one of their prospects, and maybe one of their best prospects. Maybe somebody who could make the team. For all I know, um, but but we talked about a player that Carolina needs, uh, and this this Larue guy seemed like he had a big, a fairly big body as well. Like, even though he's not quite six feet, it looks like he's 5'11". And I thought, man, I'd love for them to take him. Then they trade the pick, and then Nashville takes him. So, uh, using the hashtag FOMO, fear of missing out, Tell just tell me, forget about what anybody else is thinking about. Tell me what you think about Zachary LaRue, even though he's not the Hurricanes. Well, I think Zachary LaRue... One of the things you do is you put a premium. If somebody's the best at something, or one of the best, or somebody's the best skater, somebody's the best shot, somebody's the best defensive, there's a premium for that. And Zach LaRue is one of the best uh, energy, physical, nasty 
the guys in the draft. And I know in today's day and age, nobody wants to talk about the game being nasty and physical and all those kind of things. But guys like Zachary Larue are hard to find. Yeah, uh, like you said, he's not the he's not the tallest guy in the world. Hits like a truck. Is fearless. Um, sometimes cross the line, but again, you know, Tommy Wilson crossed the line. I don't think Washington treat him anytime soon. So, uh, you know, I, I love him as a player. Like I, I just think he's a guy that brought something. Um, you know, Jameson Reese is, is similar in that same regard. So uh, maybe they think they've got that, and, and maybe they were looking some of the other room. But you know, I, he's a pick that I know Nashville will be ecstatic about, and I almost guarantee in five or six years you can go down to Nashville and they'll be chanting his name as he's running guys for the end boards and. You know, it, those guys are hard to find. They really yeah. are, and that's why you saw guys like him go and, and Brian Boucher's kid plays like that, and Corey Stillman's kid plays like that. Like those guys are character hard to find guys, and you saw Tampa Bay win a Stanley Cup with those kind of guys. And uh, you know, that's who they could have taken, but obviously chose to draw drop down a little bit and uh, and get some extra picks out of it. All right, we're going to talk about those extra picks. By the way, I saw Corey Stillman, both of Corey Stillman's kids running around the locker room uh, back in the <laughs> mid uh, mid two thousands. Uh, and I think they were running other kids, other players' kids through the end boards as well. All right. Uh, pick number one for Carolina in the second round was a uh, a high school defenseman, Scott Morrow. Uh, he looks the part, 6'2", about 175 pounds right now. I know he's got skills, but w- so give me a read on Scott Morrow. Good pick. I uh, really like Scott Moore early this year. I mean, he had him up as high as I think 14 at one point on our list. Uh, tailed off a little bit as the year ended and stuff, but um, you know, an offensive defense, a lot of skills on each side of 62, makes plays, which is you know something Carolina wants to do with the skills that they've got. Um, you, you always get worried about guys that are playing at that level, uh, at the high right. school level, because you know they're not playing obviously against the best in the world or, or even close to it. So. You get a little concerned with that, but you know, this is a kid that comes from good pedigree. Um, you know, Shannon, we're going to devote him. Um, so I, I think, again, I think it was a good pick. I think right in that range was around where I thought he deserved to go. And, uh, you know, they're certainly hoping in this, that offensive player continues and uh, it's something he can run their, their power play you know, down the road. But uh, it's certainly not a, not a bad pick at all, and I think not a lot of surprises at this either. All right, uh, then uh, as Carolina is wont to do, and it's almost comical at this point, I'm, I was actually surprised that they were the only two. Uh, they went and raided the nation of Finland. Uh, Carolina's <laughs> notorious for drafting players from Finland, but honestly, if you only drafted players from Finland and Sweden, I'd be okay with it because I, I tend to think that those players are about as smart as you're going to come and they work hard. But uh, Alexei uh, Haimosalmi, I don't know how to, I'll, I'll get it if he ever plays in the NHL. I don't have to get it yet. Uh, he's a little bit undersized. Uh, and he's an offensive defenseman. What do you like about it? You know, yeah, you're exactly right. Undersized, um, but very skilled offensively. You know what? Uh, Heimel told me before the under-18s, I think he probably would have been a fourth, fifth-round pick. Um, he went in the under-18s and was phenomenal for Finland. Really, probably the biggest jumper. Or, you know, I think scouts put the most attention of his play at that tournament. He was the guy that, you know, guys knew he was a good player and knew he was going to be a draft pick, but didn't know he had that in him. You know, in this business, what you're looking for is kids who are getting better. And that's the last event you saw. He obviously showed that, you know, what he's, his game improved a ton this year. And at the premier event at the end of the year, he was phenomenal. I mean, he was, uh, as all guys could talk about for a while, was the play at him, just partly because, like I said, he came out of nowhere a little bit, but then the play so well. So, you know, I think that when you're drafting, like I said, you want to take a guy that's improving and, uh, you know, sort of uh, getting better as he went. And that certainly fits his mold right now. Um, you know, 
the, the question always is, listen, was he, you know, did he catch fire for a week or two? Right. Or, you know, did he come back to earth a little bit? But, you know what, in this business, you're drafting 17-year-old kids that, you know, your last look at this kid was how good he played in the under-18s, and, uh, you know, I think Carolina would have been ecstatic to get him there. All right, Billy Koivinen, uh, a winger, also a Finn, because, uh, again, Finns are awesome. Uh, so uh, he's he's a like a, a, a fast, skilled, offensive guy too, right? Yeah, very much. Again, had another great under-18. Um, you know, really a skilled guy that scores. Uh, you know, I know some teams covered him. I know the Leafs, for example, they were praying they could get him. Uh, and uh, I think he went before they picked, obviously, so they couldn't take him. And I guess also not to trade up. But he's one of the guys I know they were really interested in. I think a lot of teams were hoping he'd fall. You know, I think... Uh, the fact he fell to Carolina, I think he fifty one. I think he went. If I'm not mistaken, yeah. um, I think uh, again that's good value there. Like you know, at fifty one, are you going to get a guy that for sure NHLer? No, but you're getting a guy again that comes off playing very very well at the end of the year. That's an offensive guy, and the way Carolina wants to play, um, he certainly fits that mold. So, so good pick there. I don't think uh, it was by any means a stretch, and uh, you know, I think there's some teams that were upset that they that Carolina got him. All right, let me. Uh, I'm... Carolina also took three goaltenders. We're going to get to the first goalie in a minute, but I want to get to some other offensive players or other skaters, if you will. Um, talk to me about Justin Robida. Uh, I remember watching his dad, Stefan Robida. I believe believe he's uh, Stefan's son. Uh, he's not big, but he plays big. Is that uh, is that a fair assessment of what we see from Justin Robida? Plays really big. Um, and, and high, high hockey. You, know, you see a lot with, with dads that played in the NHL. The kids grew up around the game. They grew up in the room. You know, they kind of know how to act. They've got high hockey IQ and they understand the game. And, and Justin is exactly that. I mean, uh, pretty seriously, uh, what number did they get, uh, Robert? It was like in the fourth round or fifth round. Yeah. Uh, they got him at 147. We had him at 39 on our list. But I'm telling you what I think of Justin Robert uh, between me and my uh, Quebec guy. Um, you know what? Watch him a lot. You know, two years ago, uh, as a rookie, um, really smart player. I, I was shocked he fell that far. Again, saw his issue, but he doesn't play small. You know, and I think in today's game, you don't have to, you don't have to physically be that big. As long as you're willing to win the thirty areas, and this kid relishes that. He's really smart with the puck. You know, even if he's not going to be an offensive guy, which you know, we'll see if that happens, but I'm not sure he is. He's a guy who can play down in your lineup, and you don't have to worry about. It. I mean, his size is a concern, but he's smart enough to, and has enough hockey IQ be able to uh, play up and down your lineup wherever you need him. So I thought tremendous value. One of the most value picks in the entire draft as far as I was concerned. Is he a, uh, is he a center? Because I know he played center for uh, Val Dior. Um, is he a center or is he ultimately going to be on the wing? He plays center now. I, I think he's going to be a winger. I just don't think he's big enough. I mean, you're going to try to match him up against some of the big centers that you're playing against. You know, try to shut those guys down. I think he's going to have a hard time at that size being able to do that, and I think he can free up a little bit more often if he's on the wing. Um, you know, in the correct league, he can kind of do what he wants a little bit just because obviously it's not nationally, but once you get to the nationally, you're going to have guys that uh, he's going to have to try to shut down defensively, and I think center, uh, he might be able to do it. I mean, he's smart enough. If that's not a question. Just physically, I'm not sure he can do it, so it won't shock me if down the road he becomes a winger and, and like I said, can play up and down the lineup. Mark Seidel, North American Central Scouting, is with us here. You can follow him on Twitter, at Mark Seidel. He makes it easy. I appreciate his time. Um, all right, kind of bumping back to the fourth round. The Hurricanes took another high schooler from the state of Minnesota. 
uh, Jackson Blake, who did get some time with the Chicago Steel uh, in the U.S. Uh, Hockey League. Um, man, it's two high school players. Isn't that kind of unusual? Not really. I think in this year, you know, I think with the Western Hockey League not having played and the Quebec League, uh, you know, playing a modified schedule and the Western Hockey League playing really a shortened schedule, I think those guys, you know, it's not uncommon. I mean, every year we see these guys, they're going to go to school. You know they're going to school, so you don't have to. You've got four years, basically, to figure out if you want to find these guys and if they develop how you think they are. So, not a shock. I mean, Jason Blake, the, the former NHLer, another bloodline kid, uh, really, really good high school player in Minnesota. And, and of all the high school hockey in probably the world, certainly in North America, Minnesota high school is the best. The people in Boston may dispute that, but uh, I've seen enough in Minnesota to, to tell you okay. that the best is, is in Minnesota. So, really, really good player. I think going to North Dakota, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, you know, again, one of those guys you can take all kinds of offensive ability and show that at the high school level. Can he do it against men? And is he going to be able to do it in North Dakota against 22, 23, 24-year-old men? We'll see. But, but again, you can kind of stash him in North Dakota, let him go there for you. If he develops the way, you know, it looks like he is. I mean, he's one of the best, if he's, uh, one of the best high school players in all of Minnesota. If he develops against his peer group the way you think he is, in two or three years, Carolina signs him, and, and he's got a chance to come in and play. But the bloodlines are there for sure, but uh, there is some uncertainty. When you have a guy playing high school, it, it is, there is some uncertainty. But uh, if you're going to go uncertain, you may as well get one of the best that's in that league. So they did. An, uh, a guy who played in the U.S. De- developmental program, um, want to get his, like, I don't know how to pronounce any of these names, Aiden Reshik. Um, yep. Now, he's, he's not, thank you very much, he's not quite six feet, but everything I've read about him, again, never seen any of these guys play, that's why we call you, um, everything I've read about him uh, talks about some really good offensive skill. Yeah, we'll see. I think he's had that. The U.S. program can sometimes fool you a little bit, to be honest with you, just because, I mean, it's got the best players sometimes, so they can they can you know, beat up on some bad teams. And, okay. and if you look over the years, you've seen some guys against score. I don't think Aiden Rashak is ever going to be a real offensive guy. You know, I think he's a, he's a good player, again, going to BC, I think, yeah. uh, Boston College. So, again, you've got some time to let him go and develop. I mean, he was one pick that I kind of thought, okay, I get it. It's not, it's not the guy we're taking at that spot. Um, you know, if he develops some of that offense, you, see, you could see where that happens. And, and I could be wrong in, our, in my views and evaluations of him, but I think he's a guy that, that if he's going to play, is kind of going to be a 4-5 kind of guy, uh, fill a spot maybe. But, you know, I don't think he's a star. But like I said, much like I talked about Blake, he'll go to BC for, for four years and we'll see how he gets bigger and stronger and figures it out. And uh, and then they can make a decision whether they're going to sign him or not or whether they, they cut him loose. But, uh, so I think it, that was the one pick one of the picks that I kind of thought, oh, I wouldn't want out for it, but I mean, they obviously love them a lot. For the most part, Carolina seems to pick guys who are a little bit below uh, what you would call standard size for a position. Uh, they pick a lot of forwards who are under six feet. They pick a lot of defensemen who are under six feet. That does not go for Bryce Montgomery, who is 6'5", 220 pounds right now at age 18. Uh, they got him in the sixth round. They didn't have a season in the OHL. He's with the London Knights. Um, what do you know about him? What do you remember about him since he hasn't played? Yeah, uh, you know what, right? Just to go back on your one point about the, you know they're not afraid to go smaller. I really think that's the analytics slant on them. Yeah, um, you know they are heavily analytic, and I think you know you look at the Maple Leafs. The Toronto Maple Leafs are much the same. Uh, they don't care about the size really. If their analytics look good. 
and the scouts like them to go that way. And I think that's why Carolina goes that way. And they've had success. Look at some of the guys they've taken. I mean, you look at Ahu fell down the draft. Guys were concerned about his size, and I think he's uh, obviously proven to be a phenomenal player. But yeah. but uh, Bryce Montgomery uh, analytics, I don't think will be all that friendly to him. But he kicks four big, strong kids. <laughs> Uh, and as we just saw in the playoffs and we've seen the last few playoffs, you need those kind of guys. Again, not a star. Don't anybody think that this guy is going to come in and be a superstar. But this guy is going to be big. He's going to be mean. He's going to be hard to play against. He's going to clear the crease. He'll never see the power play, I don't think. But as soon as they get a penalty against him on the PK, he'll jump the board, clear the crease. Like, you know, everybody wants guys that can make plays and do all kinds of fancy stuff. But as you saw in the playoffs, you need some big guys that, that can simply He'll make a good first outlet pass, but be good defensively. And, and uh, you know, he still got some holes in his game. That's why he fell to the sixth spot. And they, they didn't play this year. I think if they would have played, I think he would have gone up. And and as you said, he plays in London, which is the best junior program in the world. Um, you know, with Mark Hunter coach, or Dale Hunter coaching that team, Mark Hunter the GM. Right. So, you know, you know he's going to get good coaching. I mean, that's, that's the one thing why London guys always go higher than, you know, than most people think they will, because as teams and as scouts, we're pretty confident that they're going to get a really good coach and get because they're going to maximize their ceiling as, as best they can. So, you know, I think that's the case with him. He's big and strong. We'll see how he develops the rest of his game as he plays here. But, you know, having going, going to London is, is a pretty, uh, it makes you pretty optimistic that he is going to kind of maximize whatever he can be. All right, final uh, final question about a player and then a big picture, picture question about this particular draft. Um, Canes took three goalies, including in the third round, a uh, kid from the Czech Republic who, according to... Uh, Central Scouting was the third best European goaltender, Patrick Hammerla from the Czech Republic. Uh, all three goalies they took were big. I mean, it's well, we'll talk about maybe if you want to, uh, you know, lament over the trade of Alex Nedeljkovic. I know you're a fan, and I was a fan too. Um, but all three of the goalies they took were six three, about 190 pounds. Uh, so, w- what can you tell us about Patrick Hammerla? Well, I think you know just. On the point of size, I mean, you don't see really goalies taken six one and under. I mean, you just saw today Devin Levi was traded from Florida down up to Buffalo in the Reinhardt deal um, because he's a you know five eleven six foot goalie. Teams teams are terrified of him, and you know, we talked about the analytics. The analytics on small goalies are terrible. Um, and I I'm going to guess uh, he talked about Nedeljkovic so much. You know, I, I love that kid and, and think he was a player. I'm going to guess his analytics. Uh, in-depth analysts weren't great. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, he can stop the puck, and, and I thought that Elkovich could. Hammerlund is exactly that. He's a big, strong goalie, covers a lot in that, very athletic. Um, again, has a lot of work to do. You know, I don't think if you're a Carolina fan, you can expect to see him any time in the next four, probably five years, I think. Um, pretty raw, still, still raw, but when you get kind of the physical tools he's got, um, he's gotten better, certainly in the last year. He's got a lot better than he Again, if you ask me a year ago, you know, he probably wasn't a draft, but then had a, played a lot, played good this year. So from that standpoint, uh, big goalie that has a lot of tools, but, you know, like Grant Farquhar, who knows? That's why they take three of them because, you know, goalies are all a different breed to begin with. But you're looking for that, that base set of skills that he's got, certainly physically and, and being six, you know, six, four, six, five, doesn't hurt him either. So. Yeah, look, all, all of their, uh, all of their goaltenders were big. All right. Now let me just ask you a big picture question about this draft. Um, and I, I mentioned this was the fourth draft for this regime. A um, couple of years ago, they had ended up with 12 first-round picks, and I never for a minute thought they would make all 12, and they did. 
And they ended up with 13 draft picks in this draft. And never did I think they would use all 13, and they did. Now, they traded back to get more picks. Um, So my question is about, is next year's draft supposed to be better than this year's draft? Well, a couple things. First of all, next year at the top of the draft is way better. Next year's a couple kids, Brad Lambert and Shane Wright, are both potential franchise guys. You know, I don't think there were franchise guys in this year's draft. There were, there were you know, some good players and there were good depth in this draft, but there weren't superstars, I don't think. I could be proven wrong. But, right. Um, so next year or not, they've got that. As far as the draft goes, the scouting world works like this. They, whenever the draft is here, people say, oh, terrible draft. Next year, fantastic. And then you get a year from now and they'll say, this draft's terrible. Next year, fantastic. <laughs> do every year. So I think the, the old four group is a good group for sure. Um, like I said, there's some real big star power right at the top of that draft, and there's a bunch of good players as well. But, um, you know, I think anybody that's six now, well, again, we're still a year away from it to say, oh, it's a fantastic draft or not. I, I think if you're planning on tanking, you've got, you've got one of those two guys, that's, that's a different world. But, you know, I, I think it's, it's going to be a good draft right now, but, you know, who knows? I mean, uh, a year ago, everybody thought this was going to be an outstanding, fantastic draft. And as I said, I think it's just an okay draft. It's, it's good, but there's not a lot of superstars. So. All right, before we and let... when you talk about the pick... Oh, sorry. No, no, go ahead. Finish, finish your thought. Oh, sorry, yeah. Yeah, and, and I think it was interesting with the amount of picks they got. You know, I think some teams really wanted to get out of this year's draft uh, just because of the, the, you know, the weird year we had, the lack of viewing, all of the different issues that teams had. I mean, you look at Toronto, had picks. they had no qualms about giving up picks. They didn't want to go get more picks. Carolina's the other way. You know what? They said, listen, this is a year... Every year we're throwing darts at the board. To be quite frank, you know, these are seventeen-year-old kids, but I'm going to throw darts at the board. Let's take them this year. I think we have a lot of faith in our scouting staff, um, and we think we can find some guys. And by getting those extra picks, big goaltenders now that have a chance. Or and even going to be starters, I, I don't know. Here and tell you for sure, you've got three guys, and, and you know, at least that three picks, and they they got no goaltenders. So it's things like that, and this year's draft, and I think that's the way Carolina went. And, like I said, some franchises decided, you know what, this year's draft, if we can give up picks for this year and get them next year or the year after, we'll do it. And other teams like Carolina said, you know what, we'll take your picks. We're happy to. And we'll take the more darts we have to throw at the board, we think the better we're going to be. I can't wait to see the draft grades that come out. Um, everybody, as you said earlier, everybody thinks they did great. Um, I guess, what do we need, uh, three years down the road uh, to find out if Carolina's draft is any good? Maybe even longer than that. Who knows? Uh, Mark yeah, Sal- I use I use five. Oh, sorry, well, I use five years. Five years for me is what we do. Like more, uh, people say, "Well, you're gonna you're gonna go over the draft this year." I, I will. We'll certainly go through and review it. But tomorrow is when we look at five years ago, and that's how we evaluate it. So, um, yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, team development model has to fit in. But uh, you know, Carolina's proved that, that a they drafted well, b they developed guys well. So you know, these kids are, are on the right path. They've gone to a good organization, and, and obviously that franchise is. Is certainly heading in the right direction. Well, who's your favorite player in their draft? In this draft this yeah. year? Yeah, Carolina's uh, uh, among those that Carolina picked. Oh, sorry. Probably Justin Robita. Like I said, we had him at 39. They got him at 147. I just think this kid's going to find a way. Um, you know, it's so often in this draft you find guys that, you know, they're scorers, but that's all they can do. Uh, or they're checkers. That's all they can do. This kid can, can score at times. He's at times, he's physical at times, cerebral. Like I just think he'll find. And there's there's certain guys that've been doing this so long. You just watch me. Like I don't know where or how he's going to make it. He's not big enough to make it theoretically, but 
I just think we're going to look in five years and he's going to be you know, playing for the Hurricanes and guys are going to say, man, did they steal him with the gun? So he's probably my favorite player. They talk about value for sure. Mark Seidel, North American Central Scouting on Twitter. It's at Mark Seidel, S-E-I-D-E-L. I thank you very much, as always, as always, this is two times. Uh, it'll be more, I'm sure of it. I appreciate your time, and we'll talk again. I appreciate it. Buddy. I, love, I love the work you guys do. So uh, anything you need, by all means, I'm here. Have yourself a good summer, and I hope we'll talk in the fall. You got it. Thanks, Mark. I appreciate it. All right, as we wrap this up, and we're brought to you by the Aluminum Company of North Carolina. If it's for the exterior of your home, you can find it at the Aluminum Company of North Carolina on Hamlin Road in Durham. There's no place like it. AluminumCompany.com. If it's for the exterior of your home, roofing, windows, siding, entry doors, no better place than Sammy Hanna and his crew. Also, best customer service in the industry, AluminumCompany.com. Um the Hurricanes have almost $30 million in cap space to use. Seth Jones just signed a contract extension with Chicago after the trade, $9.5 million. Kale McCarr with Colorado signed as a restricted free agent, a six-year deal worth $9 million. Dougie Hamilton on the open market, and now Montreal has expressed some interest. Dougie Hamilton is probably going to end up at 8.5. I don't think there's a chance that Carolina pays him 8.5, even though they're $30 million under the cap right now. I just don't think they're going to pay Dougie Hamilton 8.5. I think if that number came to 7.5, they would really consider it. Um, but I'm not even sure that they would do that. Uh, I don't think anybody should expect Dougie Hamilton to accept that kind of a haircut to come back to Carolina. Like, if Dougie Hamilton desperately wants to stay here and would play for seven, I think the Hurricanes would probably do that. And I don't want people to think that they're being cheap. They're going to have to replace Dougie Hamilton in some way, shape, or form. I don't know how they're going to do that. Dougie Hamilton's regular seasons were exactly what helped Carolina get to the playoffs and be offensively dynamic. But if Dougie were a better postseason player, and we have three postseasons here... Uh, to kind of gauge with the Hurricanes, if Dougie were a better postseason player, I think it would be a much easier pill to swallow. But unfortunately, he wasn't. And that's complicating matters for Hamilton. Uh, and I think, honestly, as much as Hamilton adds to the offensive mix, I don't believe that the front office looks at Hamilton as an $8.5 million player. I know what the market says, and the market's right. Because when it comes to defensemen, unless you are elite defensively and good offensively, you can be subpar defensively, and that's Dougie Hamilton. If you are elite offensively, you're going to get paid. Anybody who thinks that Dougie Hamilton is as good as Jacob Slavin is kidding themselves. Kidding yourself. I'm not saying Dougie's not an excellent player. It's not that. I didn't call Dougie a hack. He's not as good as Jacob Slavin. He's not as good as Brett Pesci. And the Hurricanes are having real trouble justifying paying their third best defenseman $8.5 million a year. The Hurricanes as a front office are almost married to analytics, to the data, to the numbers. 
As they said on the draft, Carolina's a math team. There's a lot of truth to that. If that were the case, it would be easy to pay Dougie Hamilton $8.5 million. It ain't going to be easy. Andre Svechnikov's going to get a raise. Martin Natchez is a year away from getting a big raise. Carolina's also got to find two other NHL defensemen because right now there's only three NHL defensemen on the roster. We're not going to count Jake Gardner. They got to figure out a way to get Jake Gardner's $4.05 million uh, off their books, whether it's a buyout, whether it's dumping them on somebody else or a long-term injury. Got to figure out a way to get that off their books. Jake can't play anymore. Um, he, he might need back surgery. May, I, maybe he was hurt. I don't think so. I don't think, I don't think he was hurt to the point where he couldn't play. I just think that he's logged a lot of minutes in his NHL career, and he's not the same guy, and he needs to be able to skate to play, and he can't skate anymore. Uh, Yanni Hockenpah, I mean, I think you can bring him back as a 6'7", extra defenseman for the most part. But ultimately, you know, he's he's a sixth defenseman or he's a healthy extra. You still need three NHL defensemen. So Carolina's got a lot of holes to fill, not to mention what they're going to do with forwards. Jordan Martinook gone, more than likely. Um Got to figure out what you're going to do with Fogel and or McGinn. One of those is probably gone. So uh, we know Morgan Geeky's out. So there are a few holes to fill. $30 million under the cap doesn't go as far as you think. And I will say this. This will be closing with a flourish. I don't know how the Carolina Hurricanes get significantly better to the point where they are a legit playoff team, not a contender for the playoffs, but, you know, barring injury, a playoff team, unless they dip into the free agent market. Gabriel Landeskog would look awfully good in this uniform. He's not going to be a crazy number. It's not going to be $9 million. You could probably get Landeskog for... Six times seven and a half or six times eight. Colorado can't afford them. They just paid Kale McCarr nine million. Nathan McKinnon's coming up soon. They can't afford Landis Gog. They're going to let him go. I mean, unless they let a bunch of other players go. I think they're going to let him go. So make an offer. See if you can get Gabriel Landis Gog. You put him on your top line with Aho and Taravainen. You know, I'm not saying you're going to make him your captain, but. He's an incredible, incredible player who is high character. And the Hurricanes need more of that. They need to be harder to play against. They're not that hard to play against, believe it or not. With all, uh, with all, they were harder to play against three years ago than they are now. When they were more gritty and grindy in year one of Rod Brindamore, they were harder to play against than they were last year when theoretically they were better. They got to get hard to play against again. All right, I got to go. You got to go. This has gone on too long. I am Adam Gold, Kane's Corner Podcast. I appreciate your time. We'll do it again very soon. Free agency starts, I believe, on Wednesday. We'll see if Carolina gets involved in it. Uh, And I'll be back on the radio on Thursday. Uh, So uh, you all have a good one. Hope you enjoyed the draft. And we'll talk to you next time on the Kane's Corner Podcast. 
You've been listening to the Canes Corner Podcast with Adam Gold. Don't forget there are many ways you can listen to this podcast, including streaming at WRALsportsfan.com, the WRAL Sportsfan app, and you can also subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Pocket Casts, and TuneIn. Thanks again for listening to the Canes Corner Podcast.